Posting Up is sponsored by Bolin Branch. Getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think. Go to bolinbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. Promo code posting up. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National Editor for the Washington Post. Coming to you today with my buddy, Anthony Slater from the Athletic Bay Area. I have to, I, I probably should just say the Athletic now since you guys are a monolith that has 9,000 employees, but. Oh, a monolith, I like it. I mean, it's it's true. You guys are the the, the biggest, the, probably the biggest thing in media right now. It's it's fun. So so, so subscribe. That's right. That's to say. Tell right. people how to subscribe. Let's we'll do it right off the top. We'll do um, I mean, go to theathletic.com if you want any type of, uh, you know, discount right now through the playoffs. You can do theathletic.com slash flip the switch. That's wow. our Warriors. Look at that. Our Warriors discount. Uh, there are plenty the of them out there. But, uh, yeah, it it gets you pretty comprehensive Warriors coverage. Uh, obviously, all Bay Area for our side. But it also gets you it, – it unlocks everything across the spectrum, which includes incredible national baseball coverage, local baseball coverage, and it's only expanded. Well, and, you, and more importantly, you've got the Timberwolves in the playoffs. You've got the Cavs in the playoffs. You've got the Raptors in the playoffs. Celtics uh, Celtics now. now in the playoffs. Our buddy Jay King uh, just hired to cover the Celtics there. He's great. So, yeah, you should definitely subscribe. But let's get back to the topic at hand, which is uh, the playoffs starting. Uh, we were at the first two games of Warriors-Spurs. So you now have to get on a plane to go to San Antonio. I do not, thankfully. Uh, do you th- – what? what is your take on – these opening two games for Golden State, and did they um, did they change your mind at all about uh, their ceiling in these playoffs with the way they've played, or did you kind of expect these kind of performances through the first couple of games? Well, I mean, they didn't change my idea about their ceiling. We've all known their ceiling is like a, just a stampede to the title, right? Right. I mean, they did it last year, and they have the same team back, essentially, to try to do it this year. Obviously, Steph Curry is expected back by round two. Um, but I think they've exceeded what I, I thought they were going to kind of sputter a little bit to start because, you know, flip the switch is obviously something we were just talking about, but, um, they were really bad in the last, uh, month of plus, right? Seven and 10 in their final 17 games, including a 40 point loss in the season finale to the jazz with like a one Oh eight defensive rating. Uh, they finished the year eighth in defensive rating, which is by far the worst they've been in the Kerr era. Basically Uh, all because of that last month. Cause they were like. They were 15. They so were like f- in the top five until the last, I think, 10 days of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and there was some there was some question marks about Draymond Green. Uh, his effectiveness, he had a pretty mediocre year. Uh, Durant wasn't great down the stretch. Clay Thompson's coming off a thumb fracture. And, like, he was shooting it okay since he returned. But you just, you know, there, there was just a lot of unknown because it was guys, three guys recovering from an injury, one star injured. Uh, and just very bad performances piling up. So um, you wanted to know what they'd look like. But honestly, first quarter of game one, they caused a shot clock violation about a minute into the game. I think the Spurs had 14 points in the first quarter before Ginobili hit like kind of a desperation heave to get them to 17 points. And it was like right there, like, okay, yeah, they, they still kind of have that defensive, uh, you know, mentality in the tank when they want to bust it out. And, uh, now they're sitting up 2-0, and there's like it's probably the series with the least amount of drama surrounding it. I think everyone kind of uh, knows that it. it's going to be a Warriors win. Is it four? Is it five? 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, I, I was pretty confident that um, the Warriors are going to win this handily from the start just because I thought that San Antonio really was the best matchup they could have gotten. I mean, it, when you look at this Warriors team without Steph Curry, the one thing you have to worry about, uh, you know, from a long-term perspective is can they score enough against high-scoring teams to keep up? Because I think their defense, you know, like you said, I, once the effort came back with the defense, I, I wasn't really worried they were going to be able to defend people. That they, they have enough athletic guys and long guys and smart guys defensively. I thought that was going to be fine, but the offense is going to be a trouble trouble spot for them against, you know, a team like Denver potentially or Minnesota or even New Orleans, like some of these teams that could put up a buck 20 in a game. The Spurs just can't do that. And I think that's what you've seen through these first two games, even in game two when San Antonio uh, played pretty well throughout. Um, they just didn't, like you said, they just didn't have the, the scoring power to keep 428 428 from three and if you take and if you take patty mills away who went three and nine i believe they were one of 19 yeah one of 19 i mean they Um, just can't just can't they just can't score enough that was the spurs script last night they couldn't have played the the, their more ideal game which was i thought they were really good defensively aggressive early on turned the warriors over a bunch of times got a 34 and 12 from aldridge which they have to have uh and it didn't matter. They lost by 15 because they can't hit shots. I mean, I, they could probably s- steal one in San Antonio. They're better at home. The Warriors are uh, known to let down. I wouldn't be surprised if they let down at one point. Uh, but the talent discrepancy is just massive, it, it, by far the most of any series. And it's what's crazy to me is how lucky the Warriors were to stumble into this side of the bracket where all season, like Houston was a way better team all season, ran away with the one seed, uh, is sitting there facing the Timberwolves with Jimmy Butler in round one and then going to face the winner of Jazz Thunder in round two. Meanwhile, the Warriors kind of, uh, you know, putter to the two seed. And on the last night of the season, they just kind of luck into this bracket where they face the Spurs without Kawhi in round one and then the winner of Blazers, Pelicans in round two, which to me, especially from a Warriors perspective with that Thunder history and the drama, is a way better side of the bracket. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, the, the one thing I am curious about, you've been around uh, some some pretty big free agent situations, you know, Kevin Durant most notably in 2016. Uh, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on this Kawhi Leonard situation overall, you know, after having a chance like me to be around the Spurs for the past couple of days? Oh, it's just, I'm just shocked at what it's diminished to, that relationship, it seems. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's not around, uh, tells you kind of all you need to know, right? I mean, I, I've been around injured stars a bunch, as we all have through through the years. I mean, even watch on TV, you see Kyrie Irving's around the Celtics. Um, it's for him to be in New York right now and not uh, not even around the players. Even if you're at odds with the organization, like aren't you like trying to show respect to the Tony Parkers, the Mono Ginobili, the, the Aldridges as they, as they go through this series? You're, they're pro- he probably knows they're going to lose a four or five games, spend a couple weeks around the team. Uh, to me, that means he's almost checked out from the organization completely. Uh, well, like I said, this is I'm not sitting here talking like I've reported a bunch of stuff because other people are reporting a lot of stuff. But just right. from from the optics of it, the fact that he's not around and some of the you know shade comments that, that Popovich seems to be tossing out there without completely tossing out there. I know you keep saying Kawhi and his group. Uh, yeah, that's that, the key. That's the key phrase. The key phrase is Kawhi and his group. And I think people have taken that to be derogatory towards Kawhi. And I I think that is the wrong way to look at it. My understanding is that relationship is very good. Um, And I I think that what that tells you is that 
what's the issue here is not Kawhi and the Spurs. It's Kawhi's group. group and the Spurs. And look, that's just as important for people. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fact that Kawhi and Pop are still on good terms and Kawhi and the Spurs are still on good terms is one thing. Uh, but if, you know, if the people around Kawhi are not on good terms with the Spurs, that matters just as much. And I, I think that the reason I think you keep saying, having, having Pop say, well, you got to ask Pop, you know, Kawhi and his group, it's because Kawhi's group is at least partially why Kawhi isn't playing. So, you know, I think for this to play, this is going to play out one of two ways. The Spurs are either going to offer Kawhi the Supermax and he's going to take it and stay actually three ways. The Spurs offer the Supermax and he takes it and then he stays. Or they don't want to offer it and they trade him. Or they offer it and he doesn't want it and they trade him. I mean, those are the, the paths that this is going to go. And given that nobody has passed up the Supermax yet, and I doubt anybody's going to because it's so much money, this is either going to be the Spurs don't want to offer the Supermax which I frankly is the side I'm leaning on right now as to how this is going to play out, or he sticks around. And that that could have huge ramifications here moving forward. I mean, I, I think that's, to me, the outcome of that is far more important than whatever happens for San Antonio in these playoffs because, you know, without Kawhi, they were never making a run, really, whether they played the Warriors or not. But, um, that, but that decision could loom large over what happens not just this summer for them, but for really at the whole league. That's one thing, uh, you know, you mentioned it right there, that you can tell being around this team in these playoffs is when you talk to the people who cover the team or, or who are around, it's like the Kawhi situation is so much more important to the organization right now than the basketball. Yep. Um, and Hangs over everything. Yeah. Um, as far as the, the whole group thing, Kawhi and his group, like that's not uncommon in the NBA. I mean, you know, LeBron – uh, obviously always has had the history of, you know, some of his people around fact, basically him. every guy in the league has a group. Yeah. Uh, I know Durant's, uh, group was part of, uh, you know, the Oklahoma city decision for sure. It's just, to me, what's uncommon is that it's with the Spurs. I mean, everyone's kind of said it, but, uh, it's kind of crazy. They've become like the most dramatic situation in the league between star and franchise. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not the team you expect to have drama around. Right. And, and here they are with, you know, the most dramatic situation, you know, really in recent memory. I mean, the only thing that it rem- that's similar to me at all is the Derrick Rose thing in Chicago. Um, you know, that that's the only situation that feels like this, where there was uncertainty about, you know, well, the team cleared him. Why isn't he playing? What's going on? And I mean, that, you know, it took longer for that to end because Derrick was under contract. But I mean, that that ended badly. And in this this situation at this point, maybe it gets rectified and Kawhi just comes back and he gets the money and everything's fine. But the way it looks for me, it's just hard to see how um, how this ends well in in San Antonio at this point. No doubt. Um, you know, have you thought about potential landing spots? I mean, I know you kind of have, but I have. Uh, I, I wrote, it would be a lot a lot of words about that on the, in the on the Washington Bulls website tomorrow. But I mean, I think. Look, I, I think. The, the obvious ones that sit out there are, you know, Philly. Um, you know, you've got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Could you use Markel Fultz in their two first-round picks this year as the centerpiece of a package? Do you um, think Philly would give up that much? I, I mean, uh, it's hard, to, sa- it's hard to say, but if you could get Kawhi Leonard and put Kawhi Leonard with uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and if you could include enough money to potentially go after a guy like Paul George also, which I think they'd be close to, um, I mean, I, I you know, that's – you roll out there with with Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington, uh, you know Paul George, 
Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that wouldn't be bad. Now that's fantasy land, I know. But even if you just have, you know, a, a JJ Redick instead of Paul George, I mean, that's a that's a, a hell of a team. Um, so I, I mean, look, I, I think that uh, I I think it's possible at least. There's, here's what I would say: Last summer, the Thunder traded for Paul George, right? Came out of nowhere. Nobody expected that to happen. They gave up two good young players, Victor Oladipo and Domantas Sabonis, both of whom have been better than people thought, right? But still, like. That was a pretty good package for a guy who had one year left on his deal. And I think Kawhi Leonard would universally be considered a better player than Paul George. Kawhi's a better player, but he's still one year of a superstar forward where you have an unknown future with him. And to me, uh, an Oladipo and Sabonis, especially at the time Oladipo and Sabonis were traded, is way you know less valuable than Markel Fultz, who was literally just a number one pick and has shown flashes, even though obviously he has that shoulder stuff. Well, still right, kind but, of he, but he also plus been, two but, first round picks. Right, he's also airballed every shot in the playoffs. So uh, I mean, I think Markel is going to be really good, but I could well, you see said two first round picks. Too. Well, but they're the picks are like twelve and twenty four or something. That's still to me a better picks. package than what Oladipo and Sabonis. Well, sure, but but be. Kawhi Leonard is also a better player. So, and, and the difference is, I think that there would be a much wider pool of teams trying to trade for Kawhi. Like Boston would be in the mix, undoubtedly. Both LA teams, I think, would definitely be in the mix. I mean, think about the Lakers. If you're the Lakers and you could trade two or three of those young guys, even if you have to trade all those young guys to get Kawhi cool. Leonard... Kawhi is the Showtime Laker doesn't exactly uh, well, but appeal if, to the stardom there. But if Kawhi Leonard is sitting in L.A., what what is the better draw for LeBron James and Paul George? Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma or Kawhi Leonard? I think if yeah. Kawhi Leonard was on the Spurs, people wouldn't be wondering if LeBron and Paul George would want to play there, right? I think they'd be like, well, they have a superstar. Then they'll have three. You talk about a team that could play the Warriors or the Rockets. I mean, if you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the wings with LeBron with the ball, that's pretty terrifying, no matter who else you're filling around with. So, who, who would Boston give up? Tatum? I mean, that, that I, I think Boston would be in the mix. It's hard for me to see them giving up any of their young guys, so I think that'd be tough for them. The other interesting team to me is the Clippers. They have the 12th and 13th picks. They also have a bunch of decent players. Um, they obviously don't have the star player, but, like, you know, if they if they wanted to go, like, you know, Pat Beverly and Tobias Harris and another piece plus those two picks um, and maybe take on some bad money from San Antonio too. I mean, here's my thing. I think, and and then you have the Cavs who could potentially have a top three pick. Maybe they try to trade for Kawhi to put him with LeBron. Um, You know, it's, here's the thing. I I think that there's going to, there are teams from around the league who are going to be monitoring that situation. I think you'd have teams come out of nowhere with offers that would surprise people too. Would a team like the Wizards want to offer, you know, some stuff, you know, maybe they, maybe they, if they flame out in the first round, maybe they try to trade a Bradley Beal for Kawhi or something. I mean, that's just totally if a total if, hypothetical rumor, but I, I just think with it, when a guy like Kawhi Leonard comes available, I, I think there could be a feeding frenzy of teams trying to get in the mix there to see what, what could happen. If I was the Spurs in this Leonard relationship is deteriorated to where it seems it has i would do tatum for leonard basically straight up i mean you have to do a little money filler but if they could get tatum at what 19 20 years old entering year two of his rookie contract where you yeah, i think control over the next seven years like i do that straight up i think i and i i wouldn't be surprised i think they would too and i i think that's that's why to me philly has always made the most sense 
um, as a possible destination because you have a GM there that, that in Brian Colangelo likes to make moves. Um, you have a team that's got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So they're pretty well formed, right? They just, if you get the third guy, you put him on that team. That's the best team in the East. And I could see them, you know, let's say they make the Easter conference finals this year and lose, right? I could see them going, Hey, let's do this. You know, let's, let's get this guy. We've got Sarich and Covington. Let's, let's get this guy and go. I mean, well, I, what if, do you think they have even the slightest hope they're going to get LeBron? I mean, that's obviously kind of floating out. There. I mean, I, th- I, I think they have hopes, but I, I would say they're minimal anyway. And I, I think if you could get, I, and I also think the fit with Ben Simmons and LeBron, frankly, isn't very good because uh, Ben Simmons can't shoot. And LeBron is a good, I can't see LeBron going to the Sixers and being happy to be a, you know, secondary creator standing in the corner. Right. So, I think that, frankly, I want the Sixers to sign Paul George this summer if they can get a guy. I think he'd be a perfect fit for them if Paul does leave Oklahoma City. But um, but we, we've ran far afield here. So uh, that, yes. that is a story that's going to that, – but that, that's why this Kawhi story is going to be fascinating, though, because you can you can come up with at least a half dozen teams that could make a big move for him. And, you know, that, that story isn't going away. But let's, let's transition for a few minutes to the rest of the West playoffs. Posting Up is sponsored by Bolin Branch. Getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think. Go to bowlinbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code POSTINGUP. Just We'll just bounce around each series quick. We'll start with... Uh, the other series that looks pretty straightforward, um, Wolves Rockets, uh, pretty wild game uh, on Monday on a Saturday night. I believe they played. I can't remember when they played anymore. No, it was last. It was Sunday night. Um, yeah. it, you know, felt like the Wolves to me blew that game. Had that that was their chance to steal a win and really make the series interesting. Um, you know, think the Rockets outside of James Harden went like something like three for nineteen from three. Um, just couldn't hit a shot. Chris Paul was awful. Um, the, you know, Ryan Anderson was hurt. That felt like the game to me that Minnesota needed to win for this to be a long series. That was like the best case for James Harden's MVP that game, right? I mean, he just looked, carried that team where all, I mean, he's had help. He has Paul who was good all year, but yep. what do you have? 44. I think 43 uh, and eight. and made every him. huge shot late. Killed him down the stretch. And and Paul almost gave it back. Not only was Paul not good in the game, that pass he had, and what was it, like about eight seconds left, just tossed it out of bounds. And then they, it, it felt very Clippers y. Remember that Clippers Thunder series and some of obviously his past transgressions. But um, not that impressed with Houston. It's one game. And, and maybe that, you know, that's kind of the type of game you need to win if you really are a sturdy one seed where you don't play well, you don't shoot well, you're playing a tough team, but you still win it. Um, but if from the Minnesota th- side of things, what nine shots for Carl Anthony Towns is, is probably the number that you, you cringe most at. Um, Jimmy Butler, I didn't like his shot at the end, that kind of turning, fading three pointer, but he's still, you know, you still trust him in the playoffs. And then Wiggins, uh, just, I mean, he's kind of been a disappointment. Now he's on the hook for that max deal. I mean, that's, that's looking worse pretty much every month. Yeah, that that I think if they flame out here, the big question for me moving forward with the with the Wolves is do they trade 
Andrew Wiggins this summer. Who would take him on that deal, though? To me, that's almost like an Oladipo deal from this past summer, but even like spiked up more. Where when when the Thunder traded Oladipo and he was making twenty million, everyone was like, you know, ew at, at that deal. Like the Thunder just basically got off twenty million that nobody yep. wanted to pay. Obviously, that has completely flipped. And if we talked about the East playoffs, it's crazy what he's become. But yep. I don't think anyone thinks what's Wiggins going to be making next year. About twenty five. Who would even want to pay it? Like if if, there'd be teams. if the Wolves basically okay, there'd, there'd be teams. I I'm with you. I would be very skeptical. But again, that's another situation where all you need is one guy, right? One guy to say this is a number one pick in the draft. He's got crazy athleticism. Uh, if you know he's he's locked into a long term contract. So if you're like say a team like Detroit. Charlotte, pair him with well Detroit right right I mean whether it's a team like Detroit whether it's a team like I I was thinking more Charlotte you know like there's a team that doesn't really have a lot going for it um you know do you know could you could you see a trade where um you know like there maybe Kemba Walker winds up in Minnesota and you have a I'm just doing this off the top of my head like, could you have like an Andrew Wiggins uh, package that gets you Kemba Walker and also takes back some dead money from Batum or something? You no, know, either Batum or Marvin Williams or uh, you know Kid Gilchrist or you know whatever. Um, they, you know they take back some 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 dead money that that Charlotte doesn't want to uh, you know get off some of the bad contracts they have like I, that's just a thought in my head I'd, right like i'll tell you what the the wolves would be looking a lot better in this first round if they had Kemba Walker well yeah sure i mean I, I don't really think that's the most realistic but like whatever like all it would take is you know whether it's maybe there's a team like Atlanta that's um that doesn't have a lot of talent that you know basically can take them kind of on a flyer right i mean i i, I think you could i think you could find um I think you could find somebody that would be willing to to take him. But again, like that 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 to me is the real question moving forward with them. Like if they're going to pay Jimmy Butler and they're going to pay Carl Towns, are you going to have three guys making that much money? And is Andrew Wiggins going to be worth it? I mean that that that's a situation there. It's going to be worth watching. Now let's shift to um, Pelicans Wool or Pelicans uh, Blazers, which uh, game three game two of is is I believe tonight. I'm going to double check that right now. Um, I don't know if you got it did is. you get a chance it to watch is. that game the other night. Yeah, most of it. What um, what was your what was your initial takeaways from that series? Well, I mean, Davis is the best player on the floor, and I, you know he came into Oracle a couple times recently, especially in the last game where they were kind of chasing a playoff seed, uh, and yep. he was the best player on the floor in that game, and yep. you know that included obviously Durant and uh, others. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's so much bigger now than he was a couple years ago, uh, which I get. I don't think it's like talked about that much, but I mean he is bulky. He's so tough to deal with. Uh, you know, obviously he can do the stuff on the perimeter and he can dribble drive, but he's just, uh, I don't know what he weighs, but it's, uh, I mean, it's gotta be like mid twos or something. I, yeah. About two forty probably. How many yeah. players in the NBA would you take over Anthony Davis right now? Like, are we talking, uh, for the next five years? Like my top the- 100 setup, like four season. Okay. So like, uh, like I'm thinking ahead to my top 100 for next year. How many players would you take over him for next season? Probably like, Four, maybe. I mean, obviously, LeBron, I think the list might be shorter than that. LeBron, KD. Um, I'm not even sure know. the list goes longer than LeBron. 
Yeah, I mean, the the one thing is like every five days you're on Twitter and it's like Anthony Davis heading to the locker room with a that, shoulder yes, injury. That is true. Like the, there was less that. of that this year, though, and he did play 75 not games. That, not, I mean, the crazy thing is he plays 75 games and he gets hurt in like 14 of them. Well, that, that's he, what I mean. There was even less of it this year than in the past. There was still a decent amount, but... Uh, that's my concern with him. As yeah. far as, I mean, if he's on the court, he's unbelievable. Um, and he yeah. keeps coming back from these injuries and remaining unbelievable. But um, I know, feel like he, the list has to end. I, I, I've just been thinking about it the last few days. I feel like the list has to end at no more than two. And it's to me, it's it's is, it, you know, is he is he the second best player in the league? Is he the third best player in the league? I mean, well, I think he's right I mean, in that mix. You know, it's tough because like Harden and the year he's having and what he just completely does as an offensive player. Uh, Which is incredible. Be... The same with Steph, but but yeah. the thing with the thing with the thing with Davis for me is he he's taking the lead defensively now to where he is so good all the time on defense too that to be to be that good at both ends. I mean, I don't I don't think you know you always would say that about Kawhi. Like Kawhi became a guy who was you know the best two way player on the wing in the league and probably overall. I just Davis is just so good now at both ends that I it's just he's just such a it's like you said he's such a game changer when he's on yeah. the court like the other night he had like 35 14 I think two assists two steals two blocks I and mean, he was just he was that's like a normal line it's like right. a very, that, was, very that wasn't normal. out of control right uh, I mean he's he's incredible and I I picked them to win that series in six basically because I thought the teams were pretty even I went back and forth on it and I was just like look I'm how can I not take Anthony Davis to just win this series? Yeah. And, and Drew Holiday, by the way, was unbelievable in game one also. is the really the reason why they won even beyond that. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. He's got more help than people probably realize. I mean, they've even got just random dudes, each one Moores of the world that like hit more, hit a bunch of threes this year. that are just better than uh, they've ever been. You know, Ian Clark's kind of been helpful. Uh, Ray John Rondo. I mean, he's still polarizing and has massive flaws. 17 assists 17 and, yep. Yeah. And, and just kind of crafty defensive plays at times. Um, Nikola Mirotic, I know I'm talking about that game in Oracle. He came in, I think he hit eight threes that night. Uh, the way he spreads the floor, he just balances out their, uh, you know, lineup how it should, where like Davis has that crazy, you know, do everything five and Mirotic is the spread four, or, you know, if you want to say Mirotic is the five, whatever, stretch five. Uh, I just think it's a very modern, good lineup. Uh, and it, pushes Portland and to me now especially with this game which is tonight uh and moving forward this is on Damian Lillard pressure's on Damian Lillard he's the guy that I think I voted him fourth in MVP right after Davis so yeah me too 
if he's in that realm with Davis, he's got to go and go nuts tonight. And obviously, he needs help from McCollum. And and they've had good supplementary seasons from guys like uh, you know Nurkic was better and and uh, Aminu shooting the three much better. Harkless is supposed to be back, right, or at least soon. I think soon they're hoping soon. And they it, need they've him. really fallen apart since he gotten hurt, and I, I think that's you know that's one of those injuries that you don't think about all the time that uh you know that that really um that really has hurt them going forward i mean that game, that's that's really put them in a rough spot game two and three are gonna like if you're portland you want to not just come out and squeak by new orleans tonight like if they can come out and just really kind of exert some dominance and lillard goes off uh then i think they kind of shift the series back in their direction because i i still think they're a better team uh but i think they got to win two and i think they might have to go on and win three obviously you got to split new orleans but that feels like it's going six or seven which from a warriors perspective they're gonna like that because if they can finish up the spurs at four and sit there and watch those two battle out through six and seven while steph curry finishes up the final stages of his rehab like that's again the warriors stumbling into a perfect situation yep 100 percent right i mean and that's you know that's why to me when i looked at the bracket um, we'll get to the final series in a minute. But the, when I looked at the bracket, I thought the Warriors got the three weakest teams in the playoffs on their side of the bracket. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis, we just got talk, talked about how great he is. But their roster is pretty limited outside of Meritich and Holiday around him. Um, and, and the Blazers are fine, but I don't think that's a team that Golden State has any fear at all of playing in a playoff series. And you, you look at the other side, Minnesota would have been a much – more difficult first round series, I think, than the Spurs just because they could score so much. Um, and then, you know, obviously Houston at the top. But then the last series are going to get to Oklahoma City and Utah. I, you know, that would have been, I think, a much more taxing second round series for Golden State on a couple of levels than than either potentially New Orleans or, or Portland will be. So, you know, what you know the Thunder really well from your time there, obviously. What uh, you know, what was kind of your initial thoughts on on the way game one played out? I mean, it was Paul George's threes that won him that game. Uh, and that you can't expect that to continue. I mean, I think that's kind of a tough break for Utah. Paul George is sitting. What was he since the All-Star break from three? Because he entered the break super high. He was re- he was struggling like in late March, but I think he's shooting like 48% or something since the start of April. Like not a huge sample size. But, but the, there was like one day where he walked in and said like his, his arm was arm messed or up or something. And like ever since then, he's shot like 46%. Three. Yeah, so I mean, but you just run into a, a star that you got, you caught him on the wrong night. What did he go? Eight of eleven from three. Yeah, I mean that's the difference in that game. Uh, there's worry about Donovan Mitchell's foot. We'll see come game two if he's not there. Then there's just seems you know, like he'll could, be all right. Yeah, it does. But like Utah, watching that game, I mean, as good as Utah's been, as incredible as Gobert is defensively, uh, and as well coached as they are, like you could just feel their lack of offensive creation and how that's going to be a problem in the playoffs in that game. I mean, Mitchell did some stuff, but like, you know, you got Joe Ingles out there and, you know, Rubio's limited in a lot of ways. Gobert cannot get his own shot. It's basically just got to be like, you can't dump it down to Gobert. Um, And that's just, it's kind of a problem in playoffs like this where you face stars that have games like Paul George. And then it's like, sorry, Utah, you just can't score enough. Right now, Paul George is hitting threes like that, and and obviously Westbrook's doing his own thing. Melo's hitting a few shots. Um, it's even if Utah was to get by the Thunder, like how are they going to score with uh, Houston? You know, it's just they're they to me they need another creator, uh, and and Mitchell will ascend even more than he has into the future. 
but that it's just lacking. And as good as they were as a regular season team, I think they kind of take a little bit of a step back in the playoffs because of how the games are played and how stars kind of uh, run the show. I agree a thousand percent. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had from that game was that Donovan Mitchell is every bit as good as advertised. I mean, you don't see many rookies in that situation uh, come out and put up 27 in that game. I mean, that was a big-time performance. And I think, you know, the the goal now for Utah, to your point, is to find that third guy. You've got Rudy Gobert inside. He's probably the best defensive player in the league. You've got uh, Mitchell, who's going to be a stud at the point, or the two, whatever. They need one more player. You know, Gordon Hayward was, in theory, going to be that player. He then left. Uh, if they can find that third guy to have on the wing, that other good, really good scorer, um, that's going to be a terrifying team. Because Mitchell, man, that guy... That guy's going to be a monster. Um, but you're right. When you get in the playoffs, you, you need primetime players, right? I mean, that, there's a reason why the NBA is a star-driven league. In the playoffs, when these guys can play 40, 42 minutes, uh, the stars are going to carry the day. And, you know, the Thunder had a couple, right? And the Jazz had one. And that was the difference of the game, like you said. Who'd you pick in that series? I picked Utah, or I picked Oklahoma City in seven. Um, because that I, feels right. I thought that uh, I, I just thought with home court, I I would I didn't I didn't think that Utah was going to be able to win a game seven in Oklahoma City. The crowds, both those atmospheres, as you know, are electric when the team is good. I mean, Salt Lake is a real tough place to play. It's at altitude, um, and uh, and Oklahoma City is just a madhouse when that team is good. And um, I, I just thought at the end of the day. I was a little surprised in game one that Billy Donovan didn't have Paul George's on Donovan Mitchell from the beginning. Um, they had Corey Brewer on him, and I thought that allowed Mitchell to get into the game, which I wasn't sure was a great uh, was a great situation um, for the Thunder. But um, that being said, I, I think it's how you it's how you came down to it. I just think when they when you get them in a playoff series, you go guy for guy. I just don't know if the Jazz at the end of the day can score quite enough to pull that series out in the end. And I think they might just be a year away from, and it's a more growth away from really being able to make a deep run. Yeah, the lack of home court's a problem because the game seven will be in Oklahoma City. And, I mean, you mentioned it right there, that Utah's like so happy to be there, and they should be. Like the way they, you know. Had an unbelievable season. Yeah, great season. Uh, After the loss of Hayward, they were, what, 19 and 28 or something like that. And the way they've just kind of sprinted back and what they've seen and and got out of Mitchell. Like, to me, they could lose in six or seven of this Thunder team going to the offseason and be like, you know, awesome first step towards what we're becoming. Whereas the Thunder are going to play with and should play with way more desperation, right? Because if they lose this series in six or seven, uh, they're going in the offseason, not going, hey, great first step. It's like, uh, did the franchise just end, basically? Is Paul George leaving? Is Carmelo coming back on $28 million and basically just going to take the $28 million and try to get bought out? Like, There's a chance it completely blows up on them, where they should be playing with way more, way more desperation, and they will have the uh, you know final Trump game at home, the, the Game 7. So uh, I'd pick them, but at the same time, like we've seen all season, like the Thunder can put up a performance like that and then suddenly they may throw two straight stinkers up in two and three and then suddenly they're down two one yep you're totally right i mean but i i think you know and, and also like if you give me rockets thunder in the second round that would be pretty fun from a you know there there's a lot of storylines there very that, fun that would be that would be that would be very very interesting you, the only thing i'm disappointed in though is uh 
I wanted to see the Warriors have to go through Thunder and then Rockets for all those storylines. Plus, like, yes. there needed to be one more Warriors Thunder series to like kind of be the final chapter of, of what's been this this era's best rivalry in a lot of ways. And yep. it seems very unlikely that's going to happen unless the Thunder take down the Rockets. Well, or if Paul George sticks around. But are you are you are you breaking some news that he's not? No, I'm not. But. I don't know. It just felt like it had to be this year. This year was going to be the great like yeah. final stamp on that rivalry, yeah. and it just seems unlikely. No, you're you're right. I, I'm just giving I'm just giving you a hard time. I mean, it, obviously their their future is very uncertain, like you said, and and this was the best chance for this to be a great series. And now, you know, if he does leave, it's not going to happen. So, all right, man. Thanks for bouncing around the West. I appreciate it. Uh, do me a favor and give the people uh, information on where to find you and and what you're up to. Uh, at Anthony V. Slater on Twitter, um, just covering the Warriors' run to try to get a third title in four years, basically. Uh, and what I think is going to be an interesting offseason coming up, and uh, depending on how they, you know, they, the, how the West Finals go and, and everything uh, in front of them. Uh, I'll tweet out all my links again, unless you're an athletic subscriber, most of my links will be locked, but hopefully you'll subscribe if you see something you want to read. I have my own podcast that I do after games and. A uh, bunch of stuff over there, so just follow the Twitter feed and you'll see it. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out Slater's stuff. It's uh, it's it's the most comprehensive coverage of the Warriors that there is. We're everybody over there at the Athletic with him and Marcus Thompson and Tim Kawakami. So, Slater, thanks for doing this, man, and I'll be in touch. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your time in San Antonio. All right, appreciate you having. Thanks again, Anthony, for doing the podcast. As always, really appreciate his time, and definitely go check out his work on The Athletic. He does a great job covering the Warriors. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, on the, in the pages of The Washington Post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go to washingtonpost.com slash podcast to check out the rest of our podcasts from Can You Do That to Constitutional to Presidential to uh, Letters from War to the Fantasy Football Beat in the Fall. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff coming, so definitely go check that out. Go find us wherever you can find us on uh, various platforms for our podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, TuneIn, Google Play. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. It actually helps, believe it or not. Uh, so thank you in advance for that. Thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn's the NBA editor of the Post. He's a good friend of mine. Their band is great. Uh, people have really liked the music on the pod, as they should. Definitely go check that out uh, and support those guys. They, they, uh, they deserve it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hopefully we'll be back later in the week. But until then, talk to you all soon.